You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes. Welcome to the show. Welcome to 2024. My name is Christian Colley and he's Gavin Phillips. How are you doing, Gavin? I'm doing fantastic, Christian. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. We are back with a new series of episodes of tips and tricks to help you make better use out of your tech. Uh, we are from makeusoft.com, the tech website whose uh, slogan is technology simplified so um yeah we could be making tech easier faster and better uh but you know you've got to simplify it to get there so you make better use of your tech we give you tips and tricks to do that and this podcast is a weekly sort of iteration of not necessarily the best of those tips and tricks because sometimes we theme it um which is something that we're doing this week we're actually looking at uh various pc maintenance things uh troubleshooting tips how you um, avoid problems with your desktop computer but before that we have tech news this is tech news that matters to you how you're using your technology nothing to do with who owns what company or what shares have been bought or any of that nonsense we're going to kick off with the biggest news this week gavin which i believe you've got which is wi-fi 7 yeah, this is the news that Wi-Fi 7, the latest version of Wi-Fi, uh, has officially launched uh, this week at CES 2024, which is uh, currently being held uh, in Las Vegas. It's the biggest, uh, well, one of the biggest tech shows uh, of the entire year. And the uh, Wi-Fi consortium have officially launched Wi-Fi 7, which cutting through all the jargon and whatnot, uh, should effectively deliver Wi-Fi that is three to four times faster than the previous version, which is Wi-Fi 6. It should deliver speeds of up to 40 gigabits per second. That's uh, very, very, very fast. Um, and along with that, there are other improvements to uh, the Wi-Fi channels. Uh, so you've got bigger channels, which means more efficient data transmission. Um, the, your Wi-Fi 7 router, when you upgrade eventually, will be able to communicate with more devices at once. Uh, and in short, it's, um, it's quite a significant upgrade compared to some of the smaller iterations we've seen in previous years so that's a really exciting way to kickstart the year i think who are the companies that make up the wi-fi consortium intel qualcomm boxcon all of the major mm -hmm. sort of players in computer hardware and anybody who is involved in sort of the development of routers and other wireless communications so they all get together and i imagine what's a reasonably sized room and all communicate about what they expect from the next level but before they get to that point there's a lot of um technical workings going on um to help figure out what they want the next stage of wi-fi to be now in terms of wi-fi 7 what are we, are we looking at this of an 18 month before it's introduced you expect before we get it on hardware or is it going to be sooner than that 
Well, it's going to be sooner than that. You can already buy Wi-Fi 7 enabled routers. There's quite a few on the market already. Mm-hmm. Quite a few smartphones out there already with Wi-Fi 7 support. But for example, the OnePlus 12 uh, has Wi-Fi 7 support. The Asus uh, ROG Phone 8 also has Wi-Fi support. Uh, lots of the Xiaomi smartphones, ZTE, uh, Vivos, lots of these already have uh, Wi-Fi 7 support built into them. But like right. I said, they'll, they'll just need to be activated with an update. Uh, now, a couple of uh, other things to get through quickly. First of all, Tesla is recalling more than 1.6 million cars in China over steering software issues. It's interesting, actually. So the recall itself is worrying. But I just wanted to focus for a second, Christian, on the word recall because there's sort of two types of recalls now that happen with uh, modern cars and there's the traditional idea of a recall which is you have to take your car back to the garage yeah but with modern vehicles everything's electronic isn't it sure um and so this recall is going to be completed within a remote update so it's (laughs) not like the tesla drivers all have to take their cars to the garage all at once no they all have to sit there and wait for half an hour for the software to update yeah so whilst no one should drive their tesla with this issue because it could be pretty bad (laughs) um it's yeah it's not like uh you have to spend hours waiting for it to be fixed it could be a half an hour update which is kind of cool in a way but at the same time i mean i'm i'm i prefer a mechanic to look at my car i think oh i'm old school Oh, I totally agree. So, um, small anecdote. I have a friend who has a Tesla. He lives in Iceland. And he was involved in an accident the other day. Um, Everybody was fine, thankfully. Small bruises to necks and stuff. But they got back to their car, which was in the garage at the police compound. Um, The car was fine to drive. But they got into the car and wanted to go home, obviously, and just get home, as you do. But their Tesla decided to update while sitting in the police garage. So they had to sit there for 20 minutes after this trauma and then just sit there and wait for their car to update and not be able to drive it anywhere. I was like, oh, my God, that is one reason why, as you said, I'll stick with the old stuff for as long as I can. Yeah. Microsoft has announced a new keyboard button called the AI button, which will uh, access Microsoft's uh, Copilot AI tool. It's just more going to be more functionality built into what the Windows key is and was, wasn't it? Right. But I very much like, I don't want to press what was the Windows key and then have to tell the AI on the computer that I want to find a specific file. I just want to type it in and it's fine. <laughs> and it's done and it does the job. Like, To be honest with you, I don't think there's enough standardization of keyboards as it is. Okay, so introducing a new key at this point just seems annoying to me. For instance, I use a laptop most of the time. It has a lovely print screen button. But because I have it mounted on a little tray with an additional monitor, it makes me sound very grand, I know. But uh, there you go. That's just the way I have it set up in here. I have no print screen button on my keyboard, on my external keyboard. There's no print screen button. That's really fr- that would annoy the heck out of me. It doesn't annoy the heck out of me. I mean, I have to reach over to my laptop. I mean, that's not a big problem, but this is very first world problems. I know, <laughs> but just standardizing keyboard layouts would not kill people. We have a Wi-Fi consortium for God's sake. Why don't we have a keyboard consortium? Yeah, that's true. That's true. As as a frequent tester of 
mechanical keyboards of sh all shapes and sizes. Uh, it does drive me also slightly mad when uh, certain keys have been removed between the different sizes of keyboards. You try a 60% keyboard where 40% of the keys have been taken away. Yeah. You are often scrambling for the shortcut that involves, you know, pressing five different keys at once, which is very frustrating. Google has begun to uh, change the way companies are able to track users online. A new feature in the Chrome browser uh, reports the BBC is disabling third-party cookies. Those are those small files that uh, collect uh, data about how you use your computer uh, for various purposes, often for online ads, often for monitor, uh, um, often to monitor browsing, but also to gauge how you use a computer and you know how how you interact with websites and that helps websites and web developers uh, make their their tools better but you know there's also the tracking element of it uh this is currently available to one percent of global users which is 30 million people three billion people use chrome yes that's yeah, insane a phenomenal number yeah yeah um, what's interesting about this as well, Christian, um, as I was reading uh, in a TechCrunch article on this topic, is that it's not going to be a gradual rollout. So there's 1% are yeah. going to use it for a short period. And then after that, everyone will use it. It's not going to be oh, 1%, right. 10%, 50 It's 1% yeah. and then 100%. Okay. So it won't be long, presumably, before everyone is... Um, having yeah third-party cookies disabled in Chrome, which will make a big difference to sort of how our internet experience is in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I use uh, Firefox, so I already have this option to do this already, and I actually I was forced to use it the other day to log into a website, uh, which was came as a bit of a surprise. So, and it's also uh, already introduced in Safari. I suppose. I mean, am I right in thinking that because? It's coming into Chrome. Will it come into Edge later on? Yeah, it's a Chromium browser, isn't it? So yeah. I, I absolutely would have thought so, yes. Unless Microsoft have other thoughts. And it wouldn't be the first time. I think it's also important to note, though, that it's not going to be that websites will no longer be able to track you or serve no, you no. specific targeted advertising because there is a framework in place to help websites do that. Obviously, most of the websites... Uh, and the internet runs on advertising, um, for better or worse, obviously. So uh, Google's new framework will still allow advertising and targeted ads. It's just going to be that they're not going to be able to follow you around the internet as yeah. much as they previously were, which is a really positive thing. In yes, itself. it is. We should probably point out that some websites are going to be um, may, may struggle and may uh, have multiple sign-in options and boxes to click in the short term. Yeah, definitely. That could be one of the big changes, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. As mentioned earlier in the show, we've got a bunch of PC maintenance tips. I'm going to um, preface this with the fact that I don't use a PC anymore. I use a laptop. I previously uh, relied wholly on PCs from between uh, sort of 1998 through to around 2015. And the majority of those machines I built myself, and not only because it was cheaper long term, but it also gave me the option to select exactly which components I wanted to use and custom build a PC. Uh, what about you? Uh, do you use a laptop now or do you still use a PC? Uh, no, I have a PC. Um, I upgraded it uh, two, three years back to a uh, one of the latest Ryzen chips at the time, AMD Ryzen. 
Uh, I'm still chugging along with a pretty old GPU these days. I've got a, a GTX 1070, which is now what's that? three generations old now. So, uh, wow. But it still does me quite well, to be honest. I've, I don't play enough uh, high-level AAA games to warrant shelling out a thousand dollars or whatever it is for a top of the line gpu these days so keep chugging along fair enough anyway (laughs) uh, and i found um cut a long story short i gave up and i found it the other day and i took out uh, our storage unit but the thing was so bloody heavy it was about as heavy as my desk it was ridiculous Nothing needs to be that what? heavy. What? <laughs> yeah. No way. It was so heavy. Um, but, uh, That's yeah. absurd. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? And uh, my little girl was uh, looking at it with me, and I was showing her what all the different bits were. Because, she, you know, she's seen a little Raspberry Pi, so she knows what that's like. And she knows that you can't see inside a laptop, but she's never really seen a big motherboard. And I had this huge, ridiculous purple, bright purple fan. She asked me what that was. So I had, then had to go through the whole explanation of how... As, you can, as much as you can for a child who's nearly seven, how computers get hot and how the process gets hot and how you have to cool it down with a fan. And of course, CPU temperature is very important for the efficient running of a computer. Now, it's not necessarily that simple to find out how hot your CPU is, is it? No, there's no uh, little dial that you can look at on your desktop uh, unless you install some software in yeah. most cases. Uh, is there any particular software you use? I know you, you use Linux normally, but... I'd- yeah, um, I, actually, I don't bother with it so much these days because um, it's it tends to be you know that whole you know that whole thing of um, setting up your desktop with um, you know like widgets or graphical displays that show you how hot your PC CPUs running and all yeah. that sort of thing. It does become a bit of a distraction. And one of the PCs that I had had a front display which gave you the information. Oh, that's cool. I yeah, like that, that was cool. Yeah. But I mean, I I don't tend to worry about it too much now, unless I need to check it necessarily. Uh, but I I know there's various tools you can install on Windows, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so two of the tools uh, I would recommend um, and have been recommended in our in our article on this topic actually. Uh, one is Core Temp, yeah, uh, which is really lightweight um, and displays just a basic overview of how hot your CPU is. Uh, its current voltage uh, and so on Uh, and the other one is uh, hardware info which I believe is an open source tool or was the brainchild of another open source tool. anyway I digress but that's a similar sort of level Uh, that one's a bit more detailed and gives you quite in-depth information Um, but both are really useful at a glance if you want to see how hot your CPU is Um, it could be more useful, I suspect, for some of the modern uh, CPUs, which can run really hot. So the yeah. latest uh, Intel 14th Gen CPUs, the the very sort of cutting edge, I believe, run really hot. And a lot of people have had issues with those if they don't have the correct cooling. So uh, if you do have one of those modern CPUs, it's worth downloading one of those tools. Well, just on that matter of um, CPUs getting too hot, what sort of things can we expect to happen? You will first sort of notice um, sort of glitching. Um, it's, so, for example, if it was getting too hot within a game, you might notice things like screen tearing or mm-hmm. slower frame rates and so on. Uh, obviously, on Windows, the big thing is that if it gets too hot, your computer will blue screen and you will find yourself at an error screen. Yep. Um, and the other things as well you'll probably hear your fans going absolutely wild to try and keep it cool enough 
up to a point where, like I said, it will just say, no, I'm not happy with this. We're closing down to, to protect the hardware. Okay. Now, um, protecting the hardware is really important because if you get a failure with one and you don't deal with it immediately, it can spread to others, such as the motherboard. Now, the motherboard is obviously the most important single component of your computer. Everything else connects to it. It is the the mother, if you like, of the computer. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's, um, there's various telltale signs that it is not working correctly. There might be LEDs that uh, should light up on it that don't, uh, power connectors that don't light up on it that should light up on it but don't and you know everything else that oh of course it has a little beeping noise on it as well which i'd forgotten about because i don't use a desktop pc anymore uh the post beeps uh, there are various steps you can take uh various signs you can look for to find out whether your motherboard has indeed um shuffled off so these uh, steps number one boot your computer if it beeps, then the motherboard is largely okay. Uh, different beeps mean different things. You can check with the uh, BIOS manufacturer or the motherboard website to find out what the beeps mean. They'll come up in a sequence of beeps, different meanings for each one. Uh, the post return, that's the... Um, the, po the post is the screen, uh, the black and white text screen, that uh, the, um, the the post boot screen, uh, which means power on self-test. So various tests at... Uh, eight, conducted by the computer as it boots uh, if that returns errors or or it fails when you uh, boot your computer then you know you've got a problem there you should get a good idea of what the problem is in most cases uh, blinking lights on the motherboard uh, these might be leds that are connected to the front of your case or if you look through the uh, the grill in the side you see some leds in specific parts of your motherboard if you're sure the computer is booted up and there's no leds uh, flashing then uh, yeah you've got uh, serious problems there uh, physical damage on the motherboard can be a problem uh, and clearly uh, you know if things aren't booting uh, then that's why uh, installing a new cmos battery can also fail to revive the motherboard uh, that might be because of a problem with the old battery or it could be something was shorted or it could be just there's another issue that you weren't aware of Replacing RAM and the GPU or video card that can also help. Um, th that that can also cause a problem with the motherboard. And I'm 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 going to work to something something that, that I've mentioned before, but it's worth checking out. Uh, components work when used with a different motherboard, but not with a new motherboard. That's not particularly unusual. You should also check that components are compatible with a new motherboard. And uh, there's also the uh, Problem. Uh, you can also check if there's a problem with the motherboard by uh, disconnecting everything, completely everything, including the uh, CPU, and then attending, uh, attempting to power it up. And if it, there's still no signs of life from it, then you have got a problem. Now, many, many years ago, I was building my very first PC in about 19... 1999, 2000, I built my first PC after having one for a few months uh, from the shop. I thought, I can do better than this because it's not very good. And the first, my first build was... Um, Basically, something went awry with it, and we don't know for definite what it was, but uh, you know those um, bits that come out the back of the shielding that you push out yourself? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We believe a tiny bit, when I, when I clipped them out, a tiny bit went onto the motherboard and shorted the motherboard. It killed the motherboard, basically. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's everybody, every PC builder's uh, worst nightmare. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so um, there's so many things you need to take uh, precautions about with, with motherboards, isn't there? Yeah, there certainly are. Uh, I think 
motherboards are certainly more robust than they were in, in those days, and they do have uh, better anti-static um, and uh, anti-shock protections built into them but you should still certainly yeah. be be very careful um you just reminded me there saying about the post beeps uh, i just realized i've not ever heard my computer beep i was like i wonder if that's because it never shipped with the because there's a teeny tiny speaker that yeah. should ship with your motherboard and i don't recall ever seeing one ah. and that's been several years now so maybe i'll have to get on a onto a, an online website and uh, and buy one <laughs> <laughs> Now, GPUs, graphics cards, they can um, bring their own problems with them. In fact, I remember using a, a PC which I uh, had to stop using for a few weeks whilst I waited for a new PSU to come because I'd um, gone and bought a graphics card that required far too much power than the uh, PSU was <laughs> designed to provide. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to let you talk to us about this because you have a bit more experience with uh, graphics cards than I do. Yes, for sure. As Christian was actually saying there, that is uh, a very common uh, problem at the moment is that the latest graphics cards, your RTX uh, 4000 series and the AMD 7000 series are, well, they're really, really power hungry. The uh, RTX 4090 requires a minimum of 600 watts power but can peak up to 900 watts if, if off the top of my head wow which is an extraordinarily large amount of of power um however i digress that's, that's a, a problem that you might encounter with the latest ones but there are more common problems that most folks um will hopefully not encounter but if you do this is what you're kind of going to be looking at so uh one of the main problems with any gpu is overheating uh and overheating typically comes uh from uh, issues around ventilation in your pc um, or the buildup of dust um and if that happens to your gpu and it becomes too hot um it will effectively shut down in what's called um a process called self-protecting process called thermal throttling so uh -huh. it will basically reduce its performance to make sure that the gpu isn't permanently damaged by the heat um, and so if your gpu suddenly starts to slow down or you suddenly notice that you're not getting um, the maximum amount of frame rate you're used to in certain games, that, that could be a reason for it. Um, and that leads me to the second part, which is one of the telltale signs of frame drops and reduced performance. Um, so if you encounter either of those two things, um, you probably want to get into the side or open up your PC case uh, and check for dust buildup um, on the blades and that sort of thing. The blades are the fan on the mm -hmm. GPU. Yeah. Um, that's quite easy to remove. You can do it with a you know, microfiber cloth or anything. It doesn't have to be anything expensive or fancy. You just need to remove the dust and then make sure your PC has adequate ventilation. Another common GPU problem is a black screen. Uh, you go to launch a game or you go to fire up your PC or whatever um, and nothing happens. Uh, this one could be related to a few different things. One, the old culprit of out-of-date drivers. This is less of an issue these days on Windows 10 and 11 because uh, Windows typically handles updates uh, for most things. However, GPU uh, driver updates... Most of the time, you have to install them yourself. Um, if you have an out-of-date driver, it's not necessarily going to show it with a black screen, but it's always worth checking them. 
Yeah. The other thing I would advise checking uh, is the seating of the graphics card itself. So if you've accidentally bonked the PC case or someone's nudged it or something similar like that, your GPU could have become unseated. Um, so it's worth making sure that's nice and, and tight in its PCIe slot. Uh, the final one is graphical glitches. And again, this relates to a few different things. Um, graphical glitches can relate to the first issue, which is overheating. <clears throat> Excuse me. It could also relate, though, actually to um, issues with your game files themselves. Um, I know in the past when I've suddenly had an issue with a game and I thought my graphics card was uh, about to die, it turns out that I had a corrupted game on Steam. I think it was City ah. Skylines at the time. And reinstalling or checking the Steam um, files, which you can do within Steam. Yeah. Um, and suddenly everything was okay. So oh. there are lots of sort of small issues that can build up with with GPUs, but most of them are quite easily fixable. But I'd say my top tip for making sure it doesn't happen really is check your ventilation and keep your graphics card clean. Excellent. Now that and everything else we're discussing in this week's really useful podcast, you will find uh, a link to in the show notes. Now other problems you can have with uh, computers are relating to the RAM and relating to the storage. The RAM's the memory, the storage is your hard drive. Uh, we've got a list of seven ways to fix a RAM not detected error. And now I'm not going to go through them all, but I am going to uh, just refer to one of them, which is possibly the easiest thing to do. And to be honest with you, I would, I would put it first, which is run a memory diagnostic tool um, after checking the limits of your operating system as well. Uh, because you can just run a memory diagnostic tool, you can either download one from um, your, your PC manufacturer and download it, whether it requires rebooting or not, it will run. And you can just do it quickly. Uh, a lot of times these days, your uh, desktop PC or your laptop indeed, um, you can just reboot into a, um, a diagnostic system and you can check memory that way. It's a lot quicker than opening your computer and reseating things so uh, i would uh, just uh, check that one first before you start getting hands-on with things and um yeah i mentioned about ssds and hard disk drives um, you know, in the old days hard disk drives you knew when a hard disk drive was going to fail because it would make a noise or it would be slow performing uh, things are a bit different with ssds though aren't they yeah somewhat different there's there's definitely some crossover isn't there because yeah you'll still see the same sort of telltale signs of like files not copying properly sure? or taking yeah. way longer Ages. than you're expecting. Yeah, all those sorts of like common issues still cross over. But there are a few warning signs and I'll just run them through them uh, quickly, Christian. Um, so uh, common ways to spot an SSD failing is errors involving uh, bad blocks. Yep. Um, your computer will probably tell you if there's a bad block error. However, if the file can't be read or written to the hard drive, uh, your PC is waiting repair, uh, applications are freezing and crashing, frequent errors and so on, that can be a sign that you've got an SSD error. Um, if your file system needs repair, again, your computer may well actually just pop up and tell you that your file system needs repair and say it's time to recover your system. Uh, frequent crashes during the boot process. If your PC can't boot, uh, won't boot, um, it could be a sign that your SSD is failing. Yeah. Um, and the final one is if your drive becomes read only, Ooh. which is rare, but somewhat terrifying, 
Uh, it's a very clear sign that your SSD is about to break down and give up on you. And if that happens, I would suggest backing up your data as quickly as possible to a new shiny drive. Yeah, definitely. Get another drive, get another computer, get yeah. some sort of drive drive reading USB device, plug them in, yeah. copy from D- one to the other. Don't wait at all. That's the, the key thing as well, isn't it? It's just yeah. do not wait. Don't put it off. <laughs> It's recommendations time, that part of the show where we uh, bring you a, uh, a suggestion, something you might wish to check out that we ourselves have enjoyed. We uh, come into this really useful podcast as our first one of 2024, which means we've been through uh, Christmas, I've had a birthday, I've got tons of things to talk about and I can't remember any of them whatsoever. However, one of them does come to mind. I backed a book on Kickstarter which was the book from a, from a rival podcast, not really a rival podcast, from another podcast, The Retro Hour, which is a podcast, a popular podcast around the world uh, about retro gaming, retro computing. It's typically more than an hour long because they have an interview every week with someone from the um, classic gaming industry. They've got 40-plus years to choose from there, 45, 50 years to choose from there. So they've got plenty of guests to uh, include. And their book is based around some of their key interviews. It's a lovely volume. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the, uh, the arrangements are going forward for people who didn't back it on Kickstarter, but I understand you'll still be able to buy it. But uh, if you... Uh, I'll put the show notes in there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great book. It's beautifully laid out as well. These... Books. I'm always worried when I back a book that isn't from a you know from a direct pub from a you know an established publisher whether or not the layout's going to be attractive or whether it's just going to be words 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 uh, from beginning to end no no photos no illustrations no columns no interesting formatting to break things up a bit um, particularly important for a non-fiction title I think you'll agree but uh, this works really well it's a it's a lovely read it's a lovely book so that's, oh, that's... my recommendation. That sounds really nice. This is like a good mixture of stuff in there, rather than, like you said, just um, a solid slog. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's it's got some good interviews in it as well. I'm really uh, pleased to say, uh, with some with some, and also you know they've they've been going for five or six years their podcast, and it can be quite. I mean, if there's something you just want to quickly dip into and then refer back to, uh, you know, you've got to find the, the podcast, then listen to the entire podcast for us. Obviously, in book format, you can just quickly dip in and find it, find the bit that you wanted. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice touch, isn't it? Yeah. So, what have you got? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I have. Uh, I could do two things if you want. I mean, I've got one thing I've been uh, playing with over the holiday period was the game, sir. I'm sh- guessing that's how you say it. It's, uh, that's how it says on the paper. So, the game, sir. Galileo G8 mobile gaming controller, which is oh. a um, it's an Android smartphone game controller that you slide open. Okay, and yeah, yeah. Clip your game, uh, your your phone into, which uh, which I really really like this one. I've used quite a few of these in the past as well. Uh, the Nacon MGX2 I've got and the uh, Razer Kishi. Okay. Um, and I really like this one actually because a it doesn't require um, any battery it uses the battery of your smartphone okay. which is good and bad but I've, I've quite enjoyed that because it has a pass-through charging function as well so you can 
put your phone in it and then you know charge it whilst you go so you don't lose any battery right. uh, but it also has really good um hall effect sensors so that means they're quite sensitive and like really quite good at picking up on the different level of pressure that you're putting into it mm -hmm. so on some of these controllers they can be quite basic and it's almost sort of like the old um like original playstation controller almost where it was like the button is pressed or it's not yeah. there's no uh there's no definition to it um and the i've also found the um the 360 degree uh controls really like quite accurate during my gameplay as with all of these controllers there is you know a slight delay between input but it's we're talking milliseconds rather right. than like like an outright delay so you but you don't always feel like you've got a hundred percent control but for games like i've been trying to get through dead cells for example and for games like that uh it, it's really good um and so i would say for anyone who doesn't have something like um a steam deck or what was the other one that uh anyway it doesn't matter what it's called um but it's really good alternatives for lying in bed if you don't want to be fingers cramped in the middle of your smartphone you plug your android into one of these uh and it's really really good and that retails for around a hundred dollars um which is is pretty good value i think okay and which model was that the g8 this is the game sir g8 galileo yeah Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good overall. Cool. That looks good. I've got a very old uh, device that does that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's it, uh, certainly... Here it is. Mine's an IPGA one. It certainly suffers with the uh, lack of sensitivity. Yeah. That, I think that's a big thing for these sorts of controllers. Um I mean, as with many controllers as well, like even modern controllers for Xbox and stuff have only just started integrating like higher quality um, triggers on the shoulder yeah. pads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, that is the end of this week's really useful podcast. Big thanks to uh, Gavin for joining me. Everything we've discussed you will find in the show notes. If you could be so good as to leave us a review on apple Podcasts, that would help raise the profile of the podcast considerably and uh, if you leave us a five-star review we will read it out so we'll be back again for a new show next week until then it's goodbye from us